What is sin so that I might see? And becoming confident in our faith and our, our salvation to know that we are secure with God. And the thing is that, you know, the days ahead, I want to say this openly that it's going to get very hard. We're going to be tested. We're going to be trialed. There's going to be a lot of tribulations ahead. And, you know, for the past couple of months, I, I came back from what was Columbia, and I was going through a time of hard testing. And I, all of us will. It was a time where you have old feelings, old emotions, old past coming up. And it was very hard to go through. I think we all can assure that we all had these situations. And, you know, the thing is, God is trying to purify us. He's trying to remove what doesn't belong. And he's trying to give us more peace and rest and fill us more with his Holy Spirit. And uh, you see, and I'm, I'm at a place now where I'm like at a greater peace. And that's what he's wanting for all of our lives. He's wanting to give us a greater peace. He wanted to give us a greater joy. He wants to give us a greater rest. That's what he's sent his son to do. So let's go on here. I'm going to go on and read uh, Matthew 24, 24 through 28. Look what he says. For false messiahs, for false messiahs and false prophets will arise and show great signs and wonders as to lead astray, if possible, even the chosen. See, I have told you before. So if they say to you, look, he is in, in the wilderness, do not go out. Or look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For just as lightning comes from the east and flashes in the west, so also will it be at the coming of the Son of Man. For wherever the carcass is, there the vultures are gathered. Now, let's go on to the next slide. Look what he says, the elect, the chosen. It's eclectos in Greek. It's picked out, chosen by God, obtained salvation through Christ Yeshua. What's interesting about that is it's those that are picked out and chosen by God to have salvation. Now, let's go on to the next one. Carcass, Potoma. It's a fall, a downfall, a failure, defeat, calamity, an error, a lapse into sin, or dead or slain. That's what he's saying the carcass will gather. Now, this is the thing. It goes to show that the sin, the downfall, the failure of man, the defeat of man, that's where the dead will gather, the vultures will gather. The calamity, the error, those who lapse into sin, or, or dead or slain. This is what he's saying, the carcasses. That's where the carcass will be. And the elected chosen, be careful. We want to make sure that we endure so nothing will take our crown. Look what he says in signs, the next slide. Say me own, which is miracles and wonders by God, which God authenticates the men sent out by him. Remarkable events soon to happen. Sin, mark, token, or prodigy especially the young and endowed with exceptional abilities and qualities. Now, we see today that the, the signs and wonders are going to happen, right? It's all, already happening. He says, many will say, Lord, Lord, didn't I prophesy, didn't I cast out demons, didn't I heal the sick? But he says, I never knew you. We got to have the presence of God. We got to make sure that we know our God. And it, isn't it interesting that it says that they'll be young with exceptional abilities or qualities. And we have a lot of young pastors today. But unfortunately, they're not teaching. Maybe. Maybe some are. Uh, there is some. But uh, let's go to the next slide. Deceive. Plané. Plané. It's caused astray. Lead astray. Lead aside from the right way. Lead away from the truth. It's to lead into error. Lead away from virtue, high moral standards. It's heretics. Beliefs or customs of a religious organization, and it's to seduce. Now, remember, Peter says, and God, actually, Yeshua said through Peter to be careful about the traditions. He said through Paul, keep our traditions as being taught, not only by letter, but from us. And today we have a whole lot of different traditions, well, not only pagan traditions, but we have a lot of different practices that was not from the first century. One of the, one of the, the heretics in the first century was antinomianism, which is anti-lawism. We push this law aside, and we say, well, this, this is, we don't need that. We got grace now. And the other side was we had another one where 
Well, they had grace, but uh, they kept, or they kept the law, but the grace, there was no mercy or compassion. There was a lot. There was a lot in those first century, even ones denying the deity of, of Yeshua, denying who he was, and they're denying his word. So, and it's, it's way worse. He said the man of lawlessness was at work, and it's even worse today. It was already during the first century. But he says, it's even going to get worse. And he's true. It's a lot worse. Let's go to Matthew 5, 16 through 20. Take this off. Look what he says. In the same way, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Do not think that I come to abolish the Torah or the prophets, the law of the prophets. I did not come to abolish but to fulfill. Now, a lot of people say, well, he came to do away with it. He didn't come to do away with the law but to fulfill. That was what was, they're saying, there was a saying in the first century when a rabbi was to destroy. He was a rabbi, he had 12 students, 12 teachers. When somebody was destroying the law, he said, or misinterpreting it, he said, you're destroying the law. He said, I did not come to destroy or abolish but to fulfill. He fulfill is pluru in Greek, which means properly teach. Properly teach, instruct how to walk it out. Now watch it, it's going on. He says, amen, I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away. Revelation 21, Isaiah 66. This is us coming, guys. This is a new heaven and new earth. Not the smallest letter or serif, which is a yud, smallest Hebrew letter, shall ever pass away from the Torah until all these things come to pass. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, but, or said, but whoever keeps and teaches them shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, that unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees or the Torah scholars, you shall never enter the kingdom of heaven. What, 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 is, what is with the Pharisees? What was the Torah scholars? Well, they were teaching commandments of man that was set apart. He says, so unless your, your righteousness exceeds them, he's saying right here, you need to, to keep my commandments and teach them. Those that don't teach even the least, what's the least? Well, you could say eating unclean, right? It could be uh, his other commandments. I don't know, whatever God deems us uh, is least important. The most important is morality. We need to have, do not commit adultery, do not get drunk, do not murder, do not steal. These are big commandments, but, but what's important is if we teach even the least, they'll be considered great. But if you break even the least and teach others to do the same, you'll be the least. Look what he's saying. <laughs> Look what he's saying. Now, we know that Solomon removed a letter that enabled him to marry many wives in the Hebrew. And it, met, it, it gave him the right to marry many wives. He removed one law from the Torah, one word, one letter, and that's what he's saying. He goes on to internalize it. He says, you have heard it said that if, if you physically commit adultery to a woman, but he says, as I tell you, if you even look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery. He's internalizing. That's what Paul says in Romans 7. He says that the law is spiritual. It's in you. That's what the new covenant is. I'll write my law on your heart and put it in your mind, and I'll cause you to obey. Look what he says. Let's go on to Matthew 7, 13 through 15. He says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way to, is broad that leads to destruction. And those who enter through it are many. How narrow is the gate and difficult the way that leads to life? And those who find it are few. Few. Watch out for false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Let's go to the next one. Look at sheep's clothing. It means garments. I'm sorry. Sheep's clothing means garments inward is the soul. And wolf means cruel, greedy, or destructive. Wolf means cruel, greedy, or destructive. Now, sheep's clothing is a simplicity, inoffensiveness, inoffensiveness. It, does, it doesn't offend you. It doesn't cut. Look what he says. It's patience. It's obedience. It's mildness. They are more easily accepted into the flock who appear to have these characteristics. But look what he says. Ravenous. Ravenous is greedy with appetites for excessive food, gratification, satisfaction, 
It's covetousness. Living on prey, whatever satisfies their appetite. The appetite is strong desire to fulfill a bodily craving for something. It's pleasures and desires, fame, following, glory, riches, money, power. It's hidden idols, envy, and lust. It's primarily a Western American gospel directed to white, wealthy, comfortable Americans. It's birthed out a business plan with polls that they sent out to see what people want. What's offensive? Okay, we'll remove it. What do you like? Okay, we'll add that. Cool. You want flashing lights? You want a band? Great. Put it in. You don't want me to talk about money? Okay, we won't even talk about love and money. You don't want to, you want to keep the holy days? Okay, just do away with it. We'll keep the pagan ones. I don't know. Look what he says. The problem is that people want the goals and dreams rather than the relationship with God. That's what's going on today. Keep religious or biblical traditions or works without the love and humility of service. They want a sense of well-being and satisfaction, but not the true devotion. We can keep all the commandments and keep all the holy days, but our heart's still not sincere. And likewise, Christians... You're, you're, if the Christians out there, right, the Christian side, they, they're just like, well, I don't want any of that. So what do you want? God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Israel, or do you want your own ways? We want grace, but not the requirements of grace, which is freely given. Speaking grace without repentance, obedience, hell, sacrifice, and denying self. So what do we do? We change God's truth to accommodate a social, cultural in culture and lifestyle. That's exactly what's going on today. So whatever is appeasing and satisfying to you, it's accommodating. And that's what the gospel is today that's being preached in most of the congregations or the churches. It's accommodating. So, wait, you, you know, you want this to satisfy you? Okay, we'll change it. We just won't speak of this. It's not always what they're speaking that is necessarily wrong. It's what they're not speaking. So let's go on. Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, perform many miracles in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Get away from me, you workers of lawlessness. Thing is, we can't willfully sin, continue in sin, what we know is sin, and claim to know God. You cannot. There's no way. I've never seen it in the Word, and I don't know. I've never seen it now. It's, things don't change. Look at the next one. Lord, kurios. It can mean owner, one who has control of the person or master. People want a Savior, but not Lord. What do you think he's saying? He's saying that many will say, Lord, Lord. Many will say, Lord, Lord, I said your name. I said, God, Adonai, Elohim, Adonai, Zavayot. Lord, they knew every name. But did he have control over your life? Was he master and Lord? Was he owner? We are slaves to him. We're slaves of the devil, slaves of the world, or slaves of God. Slaves of righteousness or slaves of sin. It's one or the other. It's simple. God makes it simple. He wants total control of your life. Look at the next one, will. Dilemma. Dilemma. It's commands, precepts, choice, desire, pleasure. Look at that. Many will say. Many. Let's go to the next one. Polios. It's much, I'm sorry, yeah, much, large, and abundant. Look at that. Many. It's a large quantity. Hey, buddy, pay attention. So next, next one we go to. Look at, look at what he's saying. Many will say, many, or prophesy, prophecy. Propheteo. It's foretelling the future events pertaining to the kingdom of God. Look at that. Utter forth, declare a thing which comes from divine revelation. It's under prompting to teach, refute, reprove, admonish, and comfort others. 
Now, do you notice that prophecy? He says, test every prophecy, see if it's of God or not. But look what he says. It's a thing that which comes from divine revelation. It's under prompting to teach, refute, reprove, admonish, and comfort others. What is today that we don't have? We don't want to endorse sound doctrine. I can't say all, but as a majority of the nation, we want a little rah-rah, shish and just have fun, right? 30 minutes of band music with flashing lights and fog machines. The next thing we know, we want a quick 15 to 30-minute sermon. That's all we can take. There was a time when they, in Acts, they did it all night, all night. An hour goes by, we're like looking at our watches, I'm, t- I'm ready to go eat. Yikes. Test every prophecy. The thing is, with air, false preachers have always spoke peace, refuting judgment and reproof. Told people peace and safety, distracted with entertainment and false worship and praise. They tell you you're okay, God loves you, and they take away from the holiness of God. They say God loves you no matter what you do. He accepts you the way you are. May, though, that may be true. He may accept you, but there is a change, which is called repentance. People say today that's worse. As far as I know, that's the grace of God. It's your choice to humble yourself before God so that he may burn that flesh off of you so he may fill you with the Holy Spirit and change you. Let's go to wonderful works and miracles. Dynamis. It's strength, power, ability, miracles, moral power and excellence of the soul. It's power and influence which belongs to riches, wealth, power and resources arising from numbers, power of armies, forces, or hosts. Hmm. Now think about that. This is, what he's, this is what he's saying with the wonderful works and the miracles. <laughs> the magicians with Pharaoh perform the same signs and wonders except the smallest one. Let your faith be like a mustard seed. Remember, they perform the same signs and wonders as Moses did. And so it will be in this today. You got to know who's truly of God and who's not. John 9, 39 through 41. Yeshua said, for judgment I came into this world so that those who don't see may see and the ones who do see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees who were with him heard him say, say this and ask, were we blind too? Are we? We're, we're not blind too, are we? Yeshua said to them, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say we see, so your sin remains. Think about it. We can claim to see, but have we forgotten our former condition or humbled ourselves? God is asking us all. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. We have not made it yet. None of us have. But the same sins is not to justify our, our actions, to continue in sin and say, oh, we all fall short of the glory of God and just refute it. Go on about our lives because only he can do it. He died on the cross for our sins. Only he was perfect, so I can't. Why not strive to allow him to live through us or strive to be like him? You were never going to be perfect, but he says morally be perfect. Be perfect as I am perfect. That's morally. Our hearts should be set on him to do his ways. Look what he says, Matthew 10, 41 through 42. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a Zadik, a righteous one, in the name of a Zadik, shall receive a Zadik's reward. And whoever gives to one of the little ones even a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, amen, I tell you, he shall never lose his reward. Look what he's saying. Remember prophecy. Remember a righteous man, the words. This is the thing, if you receive the word, and that's why he said, many will say, Lord, Lord, right? God, but you gotta keep your peace. You go to this city, this city. If this city accepts you, Go eat and drink what they give you. Eat what they give you. Continue to teach them. Make disciples in all the world. But if they deny you, brush the dust off your feet. He's saying they're already ashes. Sodom and Gomorrah. He says there will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah than it will be for them on the day of judgment. But the one who receives the word, let's go to receives, the, the coma. 
to take hold of, to take with to the hand, to receive into one's family, to bring up or educate. Of things offered in speaking, instructing, teaching, to receive favorably, to give ear to, embrace, make one's own, approve, not reject, sustain, bear, endure, to learn. So that's what he's saying. Those that receive a righteous man or the word of a, a, a prophet, um, that's what he's saying. That's, that's truly what receiving is. And he said, they shall never lose their reward. That's what he's saying. And take the, take the instruction, take the correction, take the rebuke, take the teachings, what they're saying that they educate so that you may live in the righteousness of God, so that you'll take hold of the true hand of God, the true grace and glory of him. Now look what he's saying. Now you know why Yeshua told the disciples that they receive you into their home, eat and drink, everything they give you, right? But we gotta keep our peace. We gotta keep our shalom. We gotta keep our peace. And if we do not, we're gonna know because guess what? It's gonna make us restless. It's gonna make us restless. We're gonna, it can take a heart of bitterness. It can make us angry. It can make us rageful. It can make us hate one another. And if it, this person, you can might become bitter and you no longer have mercy and compassion for each other. Next thing you know, because this person hurts you, you're like, it's bringing up bad paths and you're like, I gotta get back at him. Revenge. Remember, David almost caused revenge and the woman came out. Don't do it. If he'd committed revenge, and he would have had that the rest of his life. Why do you think God gave us his instructions, his Torah, so that we don't continue in these things? Why do you think he gave us his son so that we don't continue in these things? The Torah was given so that I don't hurt you and you don't hurt me, so, so that we love and care and cherish one another. Don't let nothing steal your peace in the days ahead. It's going to get hard. Everything that you see on the news is trying to steal your peace. Take your peace. Take your peace. Social media, the internet, everywhere. They're trying to steal your peace. War here, war there. Let's go on. 1 Kings 22, 19 through 22. Look what he says. Who says, Micaiah, then continue, therefore, hear the word of Adonai. I saw Adonai sitting on his throne. This is when they're going to go to war, right? Ahab. Ahab was going to go to war with the, with the, the, the people. And this is what happened. <laughs> 300 false prophets were deceived, right? Look what he says. Micaiah then continued, therefore, hear the word of Adonai, the one that spoke the true word. I saw Adonai sitting on his throne with all the hosts of heaven, standing by his right hand and on his left. Then Adonai said, who will entice Ahab to go up to fall at Ramoth Gilead? One suggested this and another that, until a certain spirit came forward and stood before Adonai and said, I will entice him. So Adonai asked him, how? And he said, You shall entice him and shall prevail also. Go and do so. I'll, I'll go and put a deceiving spirit in the mouth of all the prophets. Look what he says. I'm sorry, I missed that. I'll put a spirit in the mouth of all the prophets, a deceiving one. You have to make sure it's a Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, or is it a deceiving one? This is what we got to know in the days ahead. 300 prophets were deceived. One who had the word, and guess what? They didn't want the rebuke. They didn't want the correction. They wanted their own will. So what do you think happened with Ahab? They went to war. Didn't Ahab die? <laughs> we can't do our own will, but the will of God. It's not always going to be pleasing. It's not always what we want. The enticements of the world is going to be greater than, than what we can handle in the flesh. We can't handle our flesh. The devil can handle our flesh. And he's going to control our flesh. So can the spirits and the demons, but we need God's power through the Holy Spirit in order to overcome the flesh, just as he's overcome the world. Isn't it interesting in 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 through 12, it says God will send strong delusions because they did not love the truth that, and that Satan would deceive them with power, signs, and wonders. 
300 prophets were received and one wasn't. Delusions, Paul was speaking of by the spirit means error, wrong opinion, relative to moral or religion, morals or religion. It's a wrong mode of acting. It's error, led into error or mental strain. That's the delusions. Let's go to 1 Timothy 4, 2 through 4. Goody said, proclaim the word. Be ready when, it's, when it is convenient or inconvenient. Confront, rebuke, encourage with patience, complete patience and instruction. For the time will come, they will not put up with sound instruction, but they will pile upon themselves teachers in keeping with their own desires to have their ears tickled. And they will turn away from hearing the truth and wander off to myths, short stories, lies, whatever is easy. Itching means something pleasant, something pleasant. Now look what he's saying. 2 Timothy 3.13. Look what he says. But evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Deceived is planio in Greek. Same meaning as deceived that I read to you in Matthew 24. Hmm. Be careful no one deceives you. Let's go on next. Jeremiah 51. Jeremiah 51, 39 through 41. Look what he says. This is what he's saying for the days ahead, guys. As it was in old, it will be in, the, for, in today's day. When they become heated up, on fire. That means hot, on fire. I will serve them their banquet and make them drunk so that they may rejoice and triumph and may sleep a perpetual sleep and not wake up, declares the Lord, Adonai. I'll bring them down like lambs to the slaughter, like rams together with male goats. 57 through 58. I'll make her leaders and her wise men drunk, her governors, her officials, and her warriors, so that they will sleep a perpetual sleep and not wake up, declares the king, whose name is Adon, Lord of armies, the Lord of hosts, Adonai. This is what the Lord of armies says. The broad wall of Babylon will be completely demolished. This is, again, a representation of revelation. And her high gates will be set on fire, so the peoples will labor for nothing. And the nations become exhausted only by fire. Let's go to Jeremiah 28. This, this is a warning to us all. Now look at here. He's saying as a nation, I'm, I'm going to say God is not happy with this nation. He's not happy with any of the nations. As a whole, we have not repented. As a whole, we have not surrendered as a body of believers. We must get back to God. Look, he says, now it was in the same year, in the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the fourth year, in the fifth month, that Hananiah, son of Azor, the prophet from Gibeon, spoke to me in the house of Adonai, in the presence of the Kohanim, the priests, and to all the people, saying, thus says Adonai Zavayot, the God of Israel, saying, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. I'll pay attention. Within two full years, I'll bring back to this place the vessels of Adonai's house that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, took away from this place and brought to Babylon. I will also bring Jeconia, son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, back to this place with all the captives of Judah that went to Babylon. It is a declaration of Adonai, for I'll break the yoke of the king of Babylon. Now, where I'm going, we're saying the world is Babylon, Right? This whole system is a system of representation of Nebuchadnezzar. It's a system of Babylon. It's just as it is in Revelation. And today we're saying we're going to break the yoke. We're going to break the yoke. We have the power. We're having songs and concerts in front of a White House, but we're not on our face and repenting. The prophet Jeremiah spoke to the prophet Hananiah in the presence of the Kohanim, in the presence of the people that stood in Adonai's house, so that the prophet Jeremiah said, Amen. 
May Adonai do so. May Adonai fulfill your words that you have prophesied, bringing back the vessels of Adonai's house and to all those who are taken away captive from Babylon, this place. As far as I know, God says in Revelation that the land would be overcome first, but later on, after Babylon falls, they weren't overcome, right? Actually, right before it, they weren't overcome. The lamb had victory. But first, the lamb is going to be overcome by the false prophets and the beast. This is what we got to pay attention to. We got to be in the power of God. We got to be in his presence. We got to be seeking his face. We're saying we're going to restore. We're going to restore the temple. The vessels will be brought back. That may be true, but it's individuals before we can have the glory of God. We have to be changed individually and then in the body of believers before he can have his presence dwell among us. People are saying, Hazak, Hazak, God goes for you. He's with you. Be strong, be strong. Though he may be, he's with us. He's with us, but we're trying to fight by our own power, by political movements. Political movements aren't going to change us. There's only one can. It's the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. Yeshua the Messiah. Look what he says. May Adonai do so. May Adonai fulfill your words that you have prophesied, bringing back the vessels of Adonai's house and all who are taken away captive from Babylon this place. Yet hear now this word that I am speaking in your ears and in the ears of all the people, the prophets, who have been before me and before you of ancient times have prophesied against many countries and against many kingdoms of war, catastrophe, and plague. The prophet who prophesied shalom, when the word of the prophet has not come to pass, then will the prophet be known as one that Adonai has truly sent. Then Hananiah, the prophet, took the yoke bar from the, from the prophet Jeremiah's neck and broke it. Hananiah proclaimed in the presence of all the people, saying, Thus says Adonai, just so I will break the yoke of King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon from the neck of all the nations within two full years. This is what the false prophet is saying. So the prophet Jeremiah went this way. Then the word of Adonai came to Jeremiah. After that, Hananiah, the prophet, had broken the yoke bar off his neck and prophet Jeremiah saying, go tell Hananiah saying, thus says Adonai, you have broken the yoke bars of wood, but in a place I'll make yoke bars of iron. For thus says Adonai Zavayot, the God of Israel, I have put a yoke of iron on, on the neck of all the nations so that they may serve King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. They will serve him and I'll also give him the beasts of the field. Then said the prophet Jeremiah to the prophet Hananiah, hear now, Hananiah, Adonai has not sent you, and you have caused his people to trust in a lie. Therefore, thus says Adonai, I'm about to send you away from the face of the earth. This year you will die, since you have spoken apostasy against Adonai. So Adonai, the prophet, died the same year in the seventh month. Interesting seventh month, right? Now let's go on. Look what he's saying. Isaiah 28, 7. Is there a... Maybe there's not one, okay. But uh, Isaiah 28, 7. But these also reel from wine and stagger from strong drink. The priests and the prophets reel from strong drink are confused because of wine. They stagger because of strong drink. They're muddled in vision. They stumble in judgment. Look what he's saying. Jeremiah 6, 13 through 14. For the least to the greatest, all of them are greedy for gain. And the prophet, even to the priest, everyone practices deceit. They dress the wound of my people as though it was not serious, saying, peace, peace, shalom, shalom. They say when there is no peace. Again, in Thessalonians 5, 3, doesn't it say that they will say peace, peace, and safety and sudden destruction will come upon them? What is all the pastors saying today? In most places, peace. Guys, I was joyful. And then when, when Yom Kippur comes in nightfall, I'm like burdened. I had a heavy burden. And I'm talking to God. I go out and just, God, I heard, go, go walk with my wife. Go walk with your wife. I go out and I'm seeing, what am I seeing? I'm seeing in the whole entire neighborhood. I'm looking all over. I said, God, do you have to, is there going to be judgment? Yes, there is. Why should I have mercy on these people? As I'm looking around, I'm crying out. I said, God, why? 
I'm looking, there's people on Yom Kippur throwing a football in the middle of the night, playing baseball in a field, playing soccer out in front of their front yard. Another one, they're drinking, playing poker out in their garage. I see another one playing, watching sports on their TV. See another one talking out to his job outside his work truck. I see another one jogging. I see people just playing with their dogs. What do you think? He says, just as it was in the days of Noah, so will it could be at the coming of the Son of Man. It's a willful ignorance of the judgments coming. This is why, and these are, most say, the majority in America even say that they know God. If that was true, then why are we one of the worst nations? If we, we spend millions of dollars on outreaches, millions of dollars on books, we have millions of books written, millions of radio programs, we spend millions in our churches. Pastors are getting richer, but people are getting poorer. In their hearts, there's no, the spirit's not going forth. There's no power. Because we're going to say, come listen to me. I got a book to sell you. We want revival? Stop selling stuff until we can stop making a business out of God. That's the only way his spirit's going to come. Remember what Paul said, but even if another angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. Didn't Peter say a time would come when they would make a merchandise of him to exploit people in their greed and follow their sensuality? The truth would be misaligned, blaspheme. Sensuality means disregard, guarding sexual restraints or strict rules or of correctness. It's shamelessness, lacking control, there's no self-control, and it's freedom from worry. People don't want to worry today. I'm not trying to bring fear. What I'm trying to say, if you're in the true presence of God, perfect love casts out all fear. You have nothing to fear, but if you're still in the flesh and you're yet to die and you're holding on to something, you have something to fear because God is trying to change you. And what do we have in the churches today? It's a distraction. What all the glitz and glamour parties and music and flashing lights and fog machines, and bands. It's sensual. It makes us feel good. It touches the heart. But it doesn't change the will of man. It doesn't change the character of man. We go out and go to the same filthy lies that we once were when we were saying amen to God, glory to your name. He says, you sing words to me. You praise me. They make up words. They make up songs like as David playing on the harp. And that's what we're doing in the churches we're making songs. We're making our own way to God, but it's not pleasing to him because the heart's not changed. That's what the poll was. You want sports? Bring it in. You want kids cartoon movies? Bring it in. We'll just push out the shofars or push out that, but now what we're doing is mixing it and still holding on to the paganisms. move along. Okay. Jeremiah 6, 15 through 19. Look what he's saying. Were they ashamed when they committed abomination? Jeremiah 6. <laughs> Though they were not at all ashamed, they did not know how to blush. Therefore, they shall fall among those who fall. At the time that I punish them, they shall be overthrown, says Adonai. Stand in the roads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. He told Timothy that. Paul told Timothy that. Where the good way is and walk in it. Then you'll find rest for your souls. But they said, we won't walk in it. So I said, watchmen over you saying, listen to the sound of the shofar. We can blow the shofars, but are we hearing the true shofar? Which is his word. But they said, we won't listen. Therefore, hear, O nations, and observe, O congregation, that is against them. Hear, O earth, see, I will bring disaster on this people, fruit of their schemes, for they did not listen to my words and rejected my Torah. They rejected their laws. Jeremiah 14, 12 through 16. 
If they fast, I will not hear their cry. Now, I'm not saying that it's just any of us. Our heart has to be true. The fast has to be pure. It has to be a pure heart, not out of obligation, not out of because this is a, just a commandment. It's because we have a sincere love of God. True devotion. It can't be that I keep these Torah commandments and I'm more holier than this person because be humble. Be humble. If they burn, offer burnt offerings or grain offerings, this sacrifice of your life, I will not accept them. Instead, I'll consume them with the sword, with famine, with plague. And this is a problem. We say 9-11 was not a warning. It was a direct warning. But yet we're saying we're going to rebuild bigger. We just slap God in the face and we build bigger. We'll build a bigger trade center. The famine, famine is coming. If you know anything about, about uh, uh, Leviticus 26, he gives a direction to what happens if we could fail to continue to hear his word. The world is not changed. He is the, the new, he is the old that became new. And with plague. And now we're saying that, that we try to blame COVID-19. Oh, that was made in a Chinese lab. Maybe so. But God is still in control. We say, oh, 9-11? That, that, was, a, that was a planned, pan, it's something planned by the U.S. It doesn't matter. God is in control and he's allowing things to happen. He's in control of everything. And now we're, we're saying the going green agenda. The weather going on. It's not, it's, they don't say it's sin. They say because there's too many cows farting. <laughs> Car engines, fossil fuel, weather modification, and we blame it on harp instead of giving God glory. God is in control of every single thing. Every single thing. In fact, if you harden your heart, he was in control of Pharaoh. He controlled Pharaoh to use him for his goal, his agenda. And guess what? His people are still delivered. So will we. But we're going to go through a lot of hardships. Now pay attention. The people weren't taken out in some secret rapture. They were still there. Through the wrath, through, through uh, Exodus. So God had to deliver his people. You had to go through it. The afflictions were no better than him. He went to the cross, so did he. So we. His disciples died, so do we. All of us are going to go through the testing. We're going to go through it. We're not just a secret rapture and be taken out from the things happening. They didn't partake in the wrath. The locusts didn't devour their food. Put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost of your home. That's what he's saying. Put the blood of Yeshua on the doorpost of your heart. So that he may pass over you in his wrath. That's what he's saying. He, we must be passed over by his wrath because when the spirit of judgment comes, I'm telling you, we got to be ready. We can't be in the flesh. We got to be in the power of the spirit. This is what we need in the days ahead. It's not too late. God's mercy is still there. doesn't matter how old or young, we still have a chance. Today is today. Don't let it be tomorrow. Not, don't let it be months from now. Change today. Then Adonai said to me, the prophets prophesy. Oh, then, uh, sorry, sorry, verse 13. Then I said, oh, oh my Lord, Adonai, the prophets keep telling them, you will not see the sword nor famine, but I'll give you peace in this place. Remember, famine comes. Famine is the next thing that comes after plague. Yes, I get it. They've happened all throughout history, but the things are about to get worse. Look what he says. Then Adonai said to me, the prophets prophesying lies in my name. I did not send them nor command them, nor did I speak to them. They're prophesying to you a lying vision, divination, futility, a delusion of their heart. There's the delusions. There's the delusions. He said it. <laughs> There's the delusions. What are you saying? Therefore, thus says Adonai, about the prophets who prophesied my name, though I did not send them, they, they keep saying, 
Sword and famine will never be in the field, in the land, this land. By sword and famine will those prophets be consumed. Also the people to whom they prophesy will be thrown out. You see that? To those who they prophesied that received the word of those, those false prophets that said, peace, peace, and safety. The true peace and safety is in the blood of Yeshua and sacrificing yourself and repenting. It's not just an escape from hell. That's a benefit. It's to have the presence of God in this everyday life. Well, he says, they'll be thrown out along with the false prophets into the streets of Jerusalem. Because of the famine and the sword, they'll have no one to bury them, their wives, their sons, or their daughters, for I'll pour out disaster on them. And people today say, this will never happen. This will never happen. This, look how quickly things have escalated. Just in the 50s, just in the 50s and the 60s, was taken out. Abortion was made legal. It was in 1973. God was taken out of school. Prayer is taken out of school. But the even worse, we're trying to fight for God to get be put back in school. Prayer to be put back in school. Abortion to be banned. But we're not bringing God back in their homes. Your Bible sit on the dusty shelf. Our nation's so blessed. We're the most blessed nations. We have so much freedom to be able to read this word and we hardly open it. We have more sold in, in, our, in, our, in, our, in our stores than most countries have. We get emails all the time. We, we need Bibles. We need Bibles. We need Bibles. We need Bibles. Some will do it out of pure heart, but not, the, the thing is that they don't have that opportunity to go into a store. Some of these countries don't. You not know how much time we had how much chance we have to change. God is giving us all the time. September 11, 2001 was a sign, a direct warning. What do we do? A hurricane comes through. We just blame it on something. Pray for them. We're not praying for people to change. We rebuild. You know what? We'll build newer, bigger, and better. You want a bigger house? We'll build it. Let's go to Isaiah 66, 2. And verse 16. But on this is the one, on this is the one I will look, one humble and contrite in spirit who trembles at my word. This is what he's looking for. That's what he's looking for. Hear the word of Adonai who tremble at his word. Your brothers who hated you, excluding you from my name's sake, Who's those who hated your words? Look what he says, have said, let Adonai be glorified. They're saying that today in many Christian circles and Hebrew roots or whatever circles, they're saying, God be glorified that we may see your joy, but they'll be put to shame. A sound of uproar from the city, a sound of the temple, the sound of Adonai who fully repays his enemies. This is his coming. This is also in the back of Revelation. Look what he says. Verse 16, for by fire and his sword, Adonai will execute judgment on all flesh and those slain by Adonai will be many. There he says, many will say, Lord, Lord. And those slain by Adonai will be many. Look what he says, 1 John 5, 1 through 3. Everyone who believes that Yeshua is the Messiah is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves the one born of him. We know that we love God's children by this. When we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God. That we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. He says also right before that to love your brother as yourself. And if we can't love our brothers and forgive you're never going to have the presence of God. Only through the power of Yeshua can we do it. We have to empty out ourselves. Now is the time. The Sukkot's coming, guys. And that's the tabernacle amongst us. Tabernacle amongst us. We want his presence. That's why when Yom Kippur, we're to sacrifice ourselves. Yom Teru is a shofar blowing. That's the blast. And we hear in the word, it's a, it's a yearly cycle. We have the three spring feasts, the three fall feasts, and it's a sign to come back to wake up. 
fall down to spring up, fall down to spring up like wheat does. Tears don't stand firm and they don't budge. Yom Teruah, blow the shofar. You're hearing the sound of God, the word of God. It's not just blowing shofars. That's great. But are we hearing the voice of God? Yom Kippur, so when we go through that time before the sacrifice, yes, he's our sacrificial lamb. He paid it all. But why just allow him to do it when we should be up on that altar too? That's why he gave us the grace of his spirit to give us that power to walk out as he did, overcome the world as he did. Then Sukkot, where he tabernacles amongst us, his spirit dwells amongst us. It's good to build sukkahs, it's okay. But shouldn't, we should also be concerned about our spiritual, where he's gonna tabernacle amongst us for all eternity. His commandments are not burdensome. Look at commandments. And toll. And toll that. And order, command, charge, precept. This is in 1 John. This is what his commandments mean. Injunction, a prescribed rule, in accordance with it, which a thing is done. Ethically, use of the commandments in the Mosaic law or Jewish tradition. Look, guys, there's nothing wrong with the law. The law is holy, righteous, and good. There's a problem with us. Our heart's keeping it. So what do you do? He said, I'll give you a new heart. I'll move your stony heart. Pharaoh had a stony heart. All, out of rebellion, that stony heart comes in. Out of pride, that, 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 that heart comes in. That, that stubbornness, that it hardens. Jealousy, envy, factions, feuding, it hardens. Hatred for each other, it hardens. Rage, it hardens. Not having mercy or compassion, it hardens. He says, I put a law, a, a, a heart of flesh, cause you to obey my laws. Put my spirit inside you. Put lies inside your heart and in your mind and cause you to obey. It's the grace of God. Problem today, we, I, I often notice too, even, even in the messianic circles too, and it's like messianic is, we are the remnant guys. But the thing is, people are looking to Israel saying, oh, well, look at the Jews, the Jews. The Jews don't have the sacrifice, guys. I get it. Yes, they're God's people, but there's no, they, they, they celebrate Yom Kippur without a temple, without a sacrifice, because they don't have Yeshua. We should be idolizing God and what he's doing, the remnant, the messianics. We boast about our law-keeping but is it causing us to be more humble, more humility, to pray more, to love more, to cry more, to love more, cherish people more, and cherish his ways? Is it causing us to forgive more? 1 John 5, 4 through 5. For everyone born of God overcomes the world, and the victory that has overcome the world is this, our faith. Remember, Abraham was justified by faith. All we had to do is obey God. Who is it that overcomes the world? If not, the one who believes that Yeshua is Ben Elohim? Who he says? The world. The ungod is cosmos. It's the ungodly multitude. An apt and harmonious arrangement or constitution. It's an order, a government, or world affairs. The aggregate of things, earthly the whole circle of earthly goods. It's endowments of riches, advantages, pleasures, which although hollow and frail and fleeting, stir desires seduced from God and are obstacles the cause of Yeshua, and it's a world adorning and it's attractive. This is the world. He says you cannot love God in the world too. You cannot love both. You're love one or the other. You can't have both in the temple. You can't have pygmy in, in God's temple and the sacrifice too. Look what he says, believe. Pistuyu. Pistuyu, I'm sorry. To entrust a thing to one, his fidelity, faithfulness, cause or belief is demonstrated by continuing loyalty and support. To think to be true. 
to be persuaded of, to credit, place confidence in. It's to trust in Yeshua or God as able to aid either in obtaining or in doing something. Saving faith is the conviction and trust of which a man is impelled by a certain inner and higher prerogative and law of soul. Believe. Remember, the demons believe, but they don't obey. They believe that God is one. They believe that Yeshua is Lord, but they don't obey. The devil is smarter than any of us, but he's still a devil. What does that tell you? We can have all the knowledge, but our heart's still not right. The devil's heart isn't changed. The demons don't change. They still continue on causing destruction. Bitter, unforgiving. I think Galatians 5, 19 through 21, he says, who will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Galatians 5, 5. I mean, Ephesians 5, 5, Galatians 5, 19 through 21. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10. He says it over and over again. Idol worshipers, sexually immoral, alcohol, drunkenness, things like these, factions and feudings and things like these. We have the mercy, but we must get rid of it, guys. This must be gone. This must be gone. 2 John 1, 9 through 10. Anyone who goes too far and does not remain in Messiah's teaching does not have God. Anyone who remains in his teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not welcome him into your home or even give him a greeting. He says, you are not to have fellowship with unbelievers. Obviously, we go and reach unbelievers, right? But he's saying, don't welcome them as part of like a family. We go to them so that they may find God. We go as evangelists to reach them, to make disciples. But he's saying, be careful. They need a, a, those who have both the Father and the Son that remain in the teachings of Messiah. Look at Matthew 5, 3 through 12. Look what he says. This is what he's looking for. This is what he's looking for. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger for thirst and right for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against, against you falsely on account of me. Rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way, they persecute the prophets who were before you. Look what he says next. He's looking for this heart. This is what, how we know we can be have assurance of our confidence in the faith. We have to be able to discern what is true and what is false. And we need to pray for discernment. And we can't discern if we still have anything in us. We're being sanctified until we receive our glorified bodies. This is a continually process. Look what he says in Luke 10 through 19, or 19. Behold, I have given you authority to trample upon the serpents, the scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will harm you. And harm, harm you, nothing will harm you. That means nothing, no sin, no evil, no temptation. These things will not overtake you because he's already overcome the world. This is what he's saying. The serpents, it represents the devils, the scorpions, the things that sting you, which is sin. We have the power over these things by the blood of Yeshua, the power through his, his Holy Spirit. He gives us authority because of what he's done. A true revival, a time like Acts will come. The true revival, we're hearing a great awakening, the greater revival. Revival here, revival there. The true one will come when like Acts, people lay down their riches, their homes, their fields and say, let's glorify God. We are not there yet. 
Whether they do an act, they made sure that everybody was equal and taken care of. And people say, well, that's socialism. Today we got greedyism. I don't know. Generous. That's why Paul says to all the rich, do not show favoritism. The poor do not show favoritism, but the rich be generous, right? And this is the thing. They seen the glory of God when they truly felt his presence and they truly knew it. They're like, nothing else matters. We sell everything. Ananias and Sapphira's what happened? What about the two people that, that, that kept holding to some of the riches? We'll sell our field and they kept on, the, held on some. I don't know, they died. Because they tested God. Tested God. But look what he's saying. A time is coming. And I, I believe it. Acts is coming back. It's, it's, it's even greater than Acts. People are looking for Acts, but I see the time is greater. A greater time is coming for Acts than Acts. Because he says it in the end of, of uh, Ezekiel. He says it. The water was down at his feet. Then it came up to his knees. came up to his waist. It was up over his head. These are a symbol of the times that we're coming in. The times throughout the generation, the 2,000 years. So as the time gets harder, you know, the more power of the Holy Spirit comes. But we will not be able to overcome in these days ahead if we are still full of the flesh. The flesh must be burned. There is no sacrifice pleasing unless the flesh is burned. Then it's a pleasing aroma to God. It has to be by His instructions, His direct commandments, His ways. We can't try to follow another gate, try to make another way into the entrance to the kingdom of heaven. He gives us his instructions. He gives us his ways. We try to find another way. What we can't do in the flesh, we push it aside. And that's when the other things fill it. Unforgiveness, bitterness, hate, love of money, envy, factions, feuding. We strive after the things that ours can see. We strive after the things of our flesh. The passions and desires are fading away and so is this life. But the true things are coming. The kingdom of God is coming. But is it it growing in us? Is it growing through us? He says the kingdom is near. It's not by signs and wonders. It's in your midst. It's within you. We have to have a power to forgive. We have to have a power to love. We need a unity. There has to be unity. And I'm not saying the unity that the the world is speaking. I'm saying the true unity. Don't let little things divide the body of believers. Don't let little things divide you. He said this. She said that. Love each other. The days ahead, people are going to need each other more than ever. We're going to need the encouragement. We're going to need the the endurance. We're going to need the hope. We're going to need the perseverance. If we try doing it in our flesh, guys, you're going to go through the testing. That's the desert. That's the hardships. You're going to go through the wilderness. It's going to test you. He has to purify. He has to refine you. So we'll be more into his image. Remember He doesn't refine an unholy sacrifice. He doesn't purify an unholy sacrifice. He purifies gold and silver. It's vessels for his kingdom. You want the true vessels? You are the vessels. You want the true restoration of the temple? You become that temple. He is. He says our body's in the temple. The third day he'll raise it. If you believe he was raised the third day, you must know that he will resurrect you in the same way. God is looking for you, each one. As a holy sacrifice, it doesn't matter what you did here, did there, it's today. That's what he's looking for. Yom Kippur is a sacrifice. That's what he's looking for, that's sacrifice. He's merciful, but grace is running out. Mercy is running out. There is not a lot of time. righteous judge is coming. we got to stop trying to alter and find God by our own methods and find him by our own ways. 
and justify her actions. Let's say, God, take it to him, take it to the altar and say, God, I need you. Put it on that altar as a sacrifice and burn it. It's like, God, I need your help. I can't do this and I'm desperate. Only through desperation will he come. Only through a willing heart will he see. And look, there's, there's, a, there's someone I can use. There's someone that's pure. There's someone that's righteous. There's one I want in my kingdom. He doesn't want one that takes pride in keeping his commandments. But those are humble and love with a pure heart, sincere heart, that's able to forgive and love, that's trying to bring unity because there's no division in the kingdom. There's no division. Unity comes by giving up our will and our life for him.